0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. And the defense attorney did all he could to embarrass the preacher. Uh, The lawyer asked him, he says, are you not a pastor? And, And he says, well, yes, I am. And he says, well, doesn't the word pastor mean to shepherd? And of course the minister agreed that, yeah, that's what I am, I'm a shepherd, I'm a pastor. And so the lawyer then says, well, if you're a shepherd, why aren't you taking care of the sheep? But his response to that was, because today I'm fighting the wolves. Today I'm fighting the wolves, uh, was his quick reply. And I think when we go into Colossians, we're reminded that Paul is fighting the wolves here. He's feeding the sheep, he's encouraging the people of God, but he is having to fight some wolves of false doctrine off. And so uh, with, uh, with that in mind, let's look uh, with, uh, with me, please, in verse number 4, Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 4. I told Hannah to put 6 on the graphic, but we're going to start in verse number 4. The Bible says... And this I say, lest, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And that's going to be... Uh, Verses 4 through 6 are going to be really our main verses, but we're going to be alluding to all these. Verse 7, Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therewith with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse 10, ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And we'll stop reading right there uh, for now as we consider these verses tonight. What we're seeing here is the encouragement to make spiritual progress. This is a group of Christians Uh, This is a church that, again, Paul hadn't visited, but somebody that he had led to the Lord had a burden to go start a church in his hometown here in Colossae, and man, I tell you, you mark her down, you start a church, and there's going to be somebody that's going to fight it, and throughout the New Testament, you find false doctrine trying to get into the church, and uh, repeatedly, and the same thing happens here with the church at Colossae, and so Uh, they're having to address these issues and so he starts off just by lifting up Christ talking about all Christ has done there through chapter number one and now he begins to get into chapter number two and starts dealing with uh, the progress of God's people and it's cool that these people had made progress and let me tell you something you start making some progress sometimes we get it in our minds now I I don't know if you've ever done this I wonder if it's human nature because I know a lot of people do this I mean you, you get excited about God you know, the Lord gets a hold of your heart in church or whatever, or maybe in your own devotions. Man, you're starting to get on fire for God, and you make this decision that you're going to walk with the Lord, and, and it's all great. But then does it just, is it easy once you make up your mind to follow the Lord? No, it's not. All of a sudden, there, there's a battle, amen? We're, we're in a war, and the, the only way we... You're not winning if you're not actually in, in competition, right? You're not, you're not winning a war if you're not fighting a war. You're not victorious if you're not in a battle. Uh, and we're not conquering if there's not something to conquer. And that's what happened here. Because what you can see there, he had mentioned in verse number uh, 5, he says, I'm not there. He says, but man, I'm, I'm not, without even being there, well, from what I've heard, I can behold your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So these Christians were doing well. You know, it reminds me of the, of the question there that Paul, uh, Paul posed to the Galatians when he said, you did run well. Who did hinder you? You did run well. Who did hinder you? So they're running well, but now all of a sudden there's a hindrance. But he's like, don't stop. Don't let these people slow you down. Keep on walking. Keep on winning. Keep on having victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Christian life, we're, you may feel sometimes like you, that you're like at a standstill. But we're never really at a standstill. We're either going forward or gradually moving back. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 says, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to that maturity. That's the call as God's people that we must obey. And if we're not making spiritual progress, or even if we are, we're an open uh, target to the enemy. So uh, the need for progress, but here's the hindrance, here's here's Satan's battle against our progress. So listen tonight, this is important because this is to you, all right? This is to you. If you are making progress for Christ, I want you to listen. Satan's got a way to try to keep you from making that progress. Or, or if you're starting to kind of slip, slip and fall back and, and aren't where you used to be with Christ, he's got a tactic, the tactic that we're about to talk about, to try to keep you going in that direction. And it's, it's, it's really classic. He's done it from the very beginning. But notice there again in verse number 4, the Bible says, "...and this I say, lest any man beguile you, trick you, deceive you with enticing words." With enticing words. See, Satan is deceptive. He, he beguiles. He tricks. He wants to, to believe, uh, lead believers astray, and he does this with deceptive words. The Bible says they're enticing words. Enticing words describes the persuasive arguments of a lawyer, the persuasive arguments of a lawyer. It's, it's, it's a false reasoning. Now, these uh, I, I've got a couple sort of funny examples of enticing words. Uh, but just to kind of get you the idea of what enticing words sounds like, what false reasoning sounds like, see if any of you can identify with this. I'm going to start by telling on a friend of mine, Chad Springer, uh, because he talked about, he, I remember him telling one time about when he was a teenager and his dad said, uh, Chad, I told you to take the trash out. Now take the trash out. So you know what Chad said He did. He went and got the trash reluctantly. He walked outside and he set it right outside the door. His dad comes back later and says, why did you not take the trash out? I did take the trash out. Now, taking the trash out does not entail taking it out of the door and setting it outside of the door. And he knew that. Okay, we're talking about enticing words, uh, beguiling type thinking. So what was he doing? He knew that his dad wanted him to take that. Any of you kids ever done that? Any of you adults ever done that? He knew that his dad wanted him to take that trash and go put it in the uh, dumpster. But instead, he says, well, I took it out. See, that's an argument. What did you say? I took it out. You told me to take it out. I took it out. I mean, it reminds me, it reminds me of, you know, at Polaris. Uh, And by the way, I, you know, sometimes I struggle to follow some rules. I, I can follow rules, but the dumb ones I have a harder time following. Uh, honestly, I mean, it, if it says do not enter and there's nobody coming out, that's the shortest way. Okay, anyway, I, don't get me started. Uh, but at Polaris, they've got a rule, no phones on the floor. Well, what if I'm sitting on my forklift? I'm talking about persuasive, per- persuasive speech enticing words. Now, and I'm giving some silly examples, but that's the kind of reasoning. You say, what's that got to do with Christianity? Well, I hope to show you in a minute, but I'm just trying to give you some examples that we can relate to of what enticing words, a a lawyer's false or persuasive arguments, false reasoning. Um, How about this one? Uh, the, the, The deceptive nature. How many of you, now a lot of these I want to talk to the kids about, but it's not just the teenagers I need to talk to because it's each of us. How many of you feel like deceiving is better than lying? I'm not asking for a show of hands here. How many of you feel like deceiving is better than lying? Okay, I'm going to use a teenage reference here, but we can find other ways. I'm sure many of us could apply this to our own lives. Okay, so here's how the the, the questions go. Something like this. Uh, A parent asked their uh, son, were you hanging out with Joe tonight? I saw that you went over to here. I saw you on Live 360. Were you hanging out with Joe? No, I was hanging out with Megan. I'm making up names. Uh, I was hanging out with Megan. Now, Joe was there. So, I mean, but I was really hanging out with Megan. So, yes, the answer to that question would be yes, I was hanging out with Joe because he was there. But the excuse is, no, it was me and Megan got together. That's one reason a lot of times we have, you know, and I tell you, I I appreciate and and love people's good intentions. I really do. Uh, But I know there, uh, sometimes, I I know there's, I I, I suspect anyway, there's been a time or two to where there's been some matchmakers among the youth group. And I don't want to jump to conclusions here, but I suspect that there's been some matchmakers among the youth. So, when one of our kids come and say, Hey, can we go hang out with so-and-so? We've learned to ask this question. Thank God for my wife. She is not a pushover like me. My wife asks questions, man. Um, and uh, But I've learned to ask this question, too. And who else is going to be there? Oh, well, such and such might be there, too. Or not. But you see what I'm saying? Uh, I say this because this was a lesson I had to learn. I, I mean, I, I hate to admit that I've ever not been, like, perfect. Um, but seriously, I can remember, especially in my younger years as a Christian, uh, man, I, wouldn't, I didn't want to lie. Lying's terrible. That's a sin. But I would trick the fool out of you, man. I'd find ways to not admit to doing something wrong, or doing, even, I'd find a way to, I, I, I'll give you another example, okay? I need to quit this. this is this confession time, all right? Uh, you know, I might have to. But listen, um, I, I think of another example. I think of, uh, uh, now, I, I, have a, uh, I have a way I deal with, if, if somebody's on my level, let's go back to work for a minute, somebody that's on my same pay scale uh, comes to me, and they're trying to interrogate me about something they may have thought I did wrong, and the uh, fact of the matter is, I probably did do quote-unquote wrong, but it was just some procedural thing. We're not talking about immorality, but just some procedural thing. I'm doing it the way I've been doing it for eight years that works, not the way they said eight months ago we're going to start doing it while sitting up in the office. You see what I'm saying? So here comes somebody that's my equal and comes says, hey, did you blah, 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 blah? It's hilarious. Sometimes I do it being funny, but then it works. I'll say, does that sound like me? Does that sound like me? Now, the answer to the question is yes. That's exactly what I did. Uh, But my answer to it is, does that sound like me? Uh, You see, it's a way to get around things. And some of these, you know, may be more along the harmless lines, but I wanted to let you know and just get this in your mind because there was a time in my early Christian life to where I really thought it was okay to deceive as long as I wasn't lying. It's just as much a sin. And what you'll find out is that's how Satan lies anyway. Satan's lies are seldom blatant, and that's the point here. Uh, there's, they're seldom just blatant lies. Uh, they're normally deceptive lies. There's usually enough truth to hold the lies together, right? That's how these lies work. And so, number one, you've got to be careful about this in your own life. But getting back to the, to the main point, Satan tries to use these types of arguments against you. Look at verse 8 with me here. Uh, of Colossians 2. Beware lest any man spoil you, and that's important, spoil you. I mean, ruin you, capture you, uh, conquer you. Uh, Lest any man spoil you through philosophy, so philosophy, a way of thinking, vain, what is it? Deceit, not lies, deceit, after the tradition of men, and I'm telling you this kind of business creeps into independent Baptist churches, uh, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So, how often, i got to ask this question, you just think to yourself for a moment, how often do you give in to enticing words in your life? How often do you give in to enticing words? You ever think about that? How often, how often are we even encountering enticing words? Um, Now, again, the greater context is these are actual false teachers that are trying to deny the deity of Christ. These guys are a mess. But, I mean, still there's an application throughout the Bible that we need to understand that what does it mean to be challenged by these uh, these false principles, by these uh, enticing words? Because I believe we may be deceived by these tricky words a little bit more than we think. How is that? And how can we tell? Here's a good question. How can I tell? How can you tell whether or not you're giving in to enticing words? You know, and I'm talking about even deceitful thoughts uh, that Satan puts in our minds. Here's how you can tell whether or not you're giving in to those things. You can tell by how you think. How do you think? You can tell by what you think. You can tell by the thoughts you think, the words you say, and the actions you take. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. I believe that, that's, that's in the same category of enticing words. Every, every thought, that would, every high thing that it, it, it would exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. Cast it down, tear it down. And bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Satan is a liar, people. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, verse 44, he's the father of lies, all right? So, and, and, and by his lies, he leads believers into the wrong path. It's important that we exercise spiritual discernment and that we continue to grow in our knowledge of spiritual truth. Look at verse number 18. I'm going to try to pull this all together to get you to think about the thoughts you're thinking. The thoughts you're thinking, the words you're saying, the actions that you're taking. Are you living right now the victorious, conquering, abundant Christian life? If not, you want to know why? You've been been duped. You've been spoiled by enticing words. If you're constantly in in a state of defeat, if you're in a state of worry and anxiety and anger and bitterness and right on down the line... You've been duped, you've been spoiled by by enticing words. Uh, I mean, so you just go right to that. What are the things that we're saying? The thoughts we're thinking, the things we're saying, the actions that we're taking. Again, chapter 2, verse 18. Let no man, man, listen to this. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind. Now again, I'm 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 wanting to give you the the greater context of the false teachers, but I also want to give you the broader context, because, okay, we understand that false doctrine is denying the deity of Christ. We understand that's false doctrine. But is it not also false doctrine for you to accept the fact that you're a loser? When the Bible says you're a conqueror, if the Bible teaches that you are a conqueror, no, I'm sorry, the Bible doesn't really teach you are a conqueror, does it? It teaches that you're more than a conqueror, amen? Uh, so what, what do you believe in, see? So, so I would argue that, uh, that you're believing false doctrine, and you're, you're saved, you're not denying Christ uh, in that sense, but there's another sense in which we may be denying Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward. And, and so I hope you can see tonight, when I said this was really heavy on my heart tonight, it's serious business. Because I'm afraid that even some of the more faithful among us give heed to some of these lying words, some of these thoughts, these, these high things that exhaust themselves against the knowledge of Christ on a regular basis. I'm afraid that some of the the best Christians we know live such a big part of their lives living, believing these lies. See, Colossians 2, verse 6, and I'm going to get to the power of this, the walking and winning in Jesus. Jesus is the, 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 the answer to this. Walking and winning in Jesus. How are we going to win? We've got to walk and it's got to be in Jesus. Look at verse number 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in Him. So this is the prescription. This is what God has for us. What are the answers to Satan's lies? It's the Lord. The Lord is the answer to Satan's lies. Uh, Now it's interesting here in verse number 6. The Bible says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord. Now have you ever noticed that sometimes you'll read in the Bible and it'll say Jesus Christ and other times it'll say Christ Jesus. Now the order of the words and I'm just just give me a second here to to teach this that the order of the words is deliberate not arbitrary. It's not just whichever uh, the, the writer decided to use these are inspired words and written as God would have them to be written. So it's deliberate not arbitrary. When the Lord is referred to as Jesus Christ, the name Jesus is emphatic by reason of its position. In other words, it's the first word. It's emphatic by the, by the reason of its position. And the title Christ is subsidiary and descriptive. In the Gospels, the words Jesus Christ refer to Jesus as Israel's Messiah, since, of course, Christ means the Anointed One or the Messiah. In the Epistles, though, it goes beyond that. It denotes Jesus as the one who humbled himself, but who is now exalted on high, the glorified one. So, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the one who was born, humbled himself and died, but now Jesus Christ, the exalted one. When the order is reversed to Christ Jesus, as it is here, the opposite emphasis prevails. The title Christ is now emphatic by its position, and the name Jesus is subsidiary and descriptive. When this order of words appears, the truth is that, is that the one who is now exalted and glorified, Christ, exalted and glorified, once humbled himself and became a man for us. And so... You say, well, what's it really matter? Does it really matter? You could live and die, I believe, without ever knowing that. Many people do. But it's just interesting, if you'll read a lot of times the context, you'll see, is it Jesus Christ, the the, the humble one that was exalted, or is it Christ Jesus, the God-man that came down and then humbled himself? In this particular context, it goes to the, the false teachers of Uh, that that they were dealing with but the bottom line that about this is is it isn't just christ jesus it says this as ye have therefore received christ jesus the lord the lord lord speaks of authority and lordship especially connected with ownership this goes back to sunday school this past week what is it that we own that that actually is owned by god he's just uh letting us have it as stewards everything right i mean everything uh so he's the lord uh so he's the owner so christ jesus the lord it's connected with ownership therefore the christian life is under a new direction not just a lifestyle that we choose for ourselves it's a life that we walk in him In Christ Jesus the Lord. As you've so received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. We walk in Him. In other words, every step is directed by the Lord who has the authority to lead us in the way which He sees fit. A way, by the way, which leads to the abundant Christian life. Because that's where He's trying to lead us. Which is kind of of leading me to my next point. We have a Lord. Now, does anybody have any trouble with that ever at all? Of Jesus saying, I own it all. I gave you life, I own your life. I gave you your body, I own your body. I gave you whatever money you have in your hands, I own that money. You know, we get this funny idea well, 10%'s the Lord's. <laughs> well, no, 100%'s the Lord's. Amen. Right? Uh, but he requires 10th, and I believe plus an offering. But, uh, you, but that's the attitude we get sometimes uh is it aren't christians crazy people sometimes we're we're nuts man we're just human beings and we we get this idea in our head of well well man i give the lord an hour a week or something you know i mean we get this thing no we ought to give the lord every day of our lives every because it's his and that and that doesn't mean that you quit your job and move to some monastery just come up here to the church and worship all the time it just means that you understand in what you are doing you do it as unto the lord and do it to the glory of god um but He's the Lord. He's the Lord. Now, 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3, you can turn over there if you'd like to. I'm trying to build on this whole idea of walking and winning in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. He's given us His Word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's trying to lead and direct us. We're walking. Walk in Him. It's just steps. One foot in front of the other. I mean, that's what it is. It's just steps. It's, sometimes it's baby steps, but it's steps. We're walking. We're, we're moving in the right direction. Following Him. 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 3. Now, we're still, I'm still thinking a little bit about these enticing words. I'm thinking about the fact that if you're saved, Christ Jesus is your Lord. Therefore, Christ Jesus has a directive for you. We find it in His Word. And he's got a certain way he wants us to go. But again, that's where the Lord's trying to lead us. You know, it's pretty interesting. There's actually a place in the New Testament where Joshua is called Jesus. Do You know why that's, you know, some of us have just come through Joshua. You know why there's a place in the, the New Testament where Joshua is actually called Jesus? Anybody? I mean, I'm just asking the question. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. So that, that's the, you put Jesus' name in the Old Testament and, or, or uh, Joshua's name in the New Testament. And so the point is just simply this. Now, understand, Joshua was Joshua, not Jesus. But Joshua pictures a type of Jesus. Who was he? He was the one trying to lead them into their inheritance. He was trying to lead them to, well, hallelujah, he was trying to lead them into the land, man. He was trying to lead them to the places of the upper falls and the nether falls, amen. He was trying to lead them to the place uh, that, that flowed with milk and honey, I mean, with the grapes, you know, the clusters that it took two men to carry. That's where Joshua was trying to lead these people. And I, the point is, Jesus, if you're saved by God's grace, he's trying to lead you to the abundant life. It's not too late. If you think it's too late, you've believed enticing words. you believed lies. If you're not thinking right, If you're not talking right, if you're not living right and victoriously, it's because you've given in and you've been spoiled by these enticing words. So look at this. 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 3. But I fear, I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent, here it is again, beguiled, tricked, deceived. As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your, anybody there, what's that next word? Minds. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Look again with me in Colossians 2, verse 18. We already read it once, but just look at that first part again. The Bible says, let no man beguile you of your what? Reward. Let no man beguile you of your reward. Now, so it says, as the serpent beguiled Eve. See, Eve was beguiled of her reward. Eve was tricked out of her blessing. Was she not? I mean, it was not not what God intended for her to be the one to help lead her husband astray. And of course, we know it was Adam's choice and so forth. And there's there's pictures and messages in that. But the point is, that is not what God intended for them. And by the way, that's one of the places where I I just got to say it. You know, I've, I've used this illustration before, but I, just the man, a great, great man, that come to me one time and he said, I just got to get the idea where you get this idea of free will. You know, I mean, nobody can do nothing except that's what God wants them to do, is what this guy thought. He was just so hyper-Calvinistic in his thinking. He said, I just got to know where you get this idea. I said, man, let's go to the garden. Was it or was it not God's will for them to partake of that, that fruit? It absolutely was was not. God told them not to, but they did anyway. Right in the very beginning, there's free will, and it just follows right on down through the Bible. But uh, the the point I'm just simply trying to make is this. Satan, through his subtlety, through getting through getting thoughts in her mind, lies in her mind, beguiled her, she was robbed of her reward. Now, Satan means adversary. All right, Satan, his name literally means adversary. Now, cleverly and ironically, he defeats us by acting like he's on our side. That's how he does it. Satan, Satan comes to be the best buddy you've ever seen, man. He comes acting. The Bible says he's transformed into an angel of light there in the same chapter back there in 2 Corinthians. But so, acting like he's on our side, that's why it's vital that we must, it starts with this, people, our mind, our mind has been mentioned time and time again, it starts with us checking our thinking, thinking about our thinking, filtering our thoughts, controlling our thoughts. You can only think one thought at a time. You're the one who decides what you're going to think in that one thought at a time. So what are you thinking in that one thought of a time? This might start making no sense, but what are you thinking? Well, you need to think about what you're thinking about. And if what you're thinking about is contrary to the Word of God and the principles of God's Word, you need to change the way you're thinking. All right? But see, the devil comes along, he's your friend. He's your adversary. That's what Satan means, but he acts like your friends. Do you ever feel like God's trying to keep something from you? You ever think, God, that's what Satan did in the very beginning, just as the serpent begotten, you listen, because he does the same thing to every one of us. As the serpent begot. what did he do? He says, oh, well, God knows in the day ye thereof, you're going to be like God's knowing good. God's trying to keep something from you. Now, we always think, I mean, or at least me, I often think about that in the, in the idea of a worldly good time. You know, I mean, God gets in your mind, and boy, he's going to try to make you think that, uh, you know, but the, these poor kids and and, and us poor people, we're these poor old Christians that can't do anything, can't have any fun. Man, come hang out with us some game night or something. I mean, it eventually breaks out in a fight, but, but there's laughter and 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 a good time before that ever happens. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but, but the point I'm just simply trying to make is people often think of that, you know, and, and so you you may be along those lines. You may be a person that struggles thinking, man, I think God's kind of trying to keep me from a good time here. You know, it, we, we think about that with young people. It can definitely be a temptation for you. I know for some of our kids, uh, they get a bunch of sympathy from their classmates for their terrible parents and their terrible pastor. You know, I mean, oh, my gosh, I can't believe. I mean, a, I, mean I ain't picking on nobody, but... They think it's crazier for us to have standards and want to know where our kids are at and, and, and try to teach them against alcohol and things of this nature. They think that's crazier than doing the other thing and then your kid about killing themselves and their friends that's in their car when they are drunk driving or killing some. Well, that's just normal. That's what smart people do, you know. What are, what are you talking about? What are, what are we talking about here? I mean... What kind of fools are we? Anyway, by God's grace, we're not fools. But so, kids, you've got to be careful. Don't give in to that. Oh, poor old you. Don't be poor on me, man. I'm blessed. Amen. Uh, but we've got to do that too as adults. But, but I, but I want to keep on going because it's not just the young people. Do you ever feel like uh, God's trying to keep something from you? How about this? <laughs> you listen now. How about this? Do you ever feel like God's trying to keep your control from you? Now, hold on a second. Are you a worrier? You know why we worry like we do? If you're a worrier, we won't control. But God says, no, 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 no. You need to give that control up. You need to give that to me. Now, understand this. If there's something we can do about situations, we do something about those situations. But when we think that our worrying and complaining and everything else is helping, there's things that we just got to learn to turn over to God's control. Now, we don't think of it that way, but God's trying to take your control away from him, and you don't like it. It's crazy good Christian people that have put their foot down and say, I'm going to worry whether he says that's wrong or not. You know, I'm, I'm worried about important things after all. Well, so how about your control? How about your bitterness? That's one that uh, people don't want the Lord to take from them. People don't want the Lord to take that from them. You, you, you are believing Satan's lies, son. You're believing Satan's lies if you think that, what well, don't, don't take that, God. I mean, I understand that other people need to get over their bitterness, but you don't know what they did to me. I'm not giving this up. Are you serious? You don't know what they said. I'm not giving up this bitterness. Man, you're believing Satan's lies. See, yeah, God is trying to take something from you, but I'm telling you, he, see, Satan's trying to deceive you. He's trying to spoil you. He's trying to destroy you. Jesus is the one that says, give me that stuff. Give me control. Give me your bitterness. Give me your anger. And let's go on and conquer some territory. Man, I got got the abundant life for you here. So I was just jotting some of these things down. uh, uh, Your bitterness, uh, your self-loathing, your self-loathing. Satan comes along with you and you says, no, no, you just keep, you, poor you. He's your buddy, see. You just keep feeling sorry. If you are worthless. You re, aren't you? Don't let anybody, boy, that preacher gets up there and, and the word of God, that tries to tell you that you're something. Don't you believe that. You just keep, you just keep on. Don't let him encourage you. We don't want to give up that self-love. We're believing lies and we're being robbed of victory self-loathing not giving that up and satan's right there with you he's your buddy but all the time you're being robbed of god's blessings Uh, you're being robbed of the reward you're missing the blessing you're missing the reward uh hey how about this one i'll say this one i'll go back over to the young folks here uh how about your future you know we could all go right down the line on what you want to be when you grow up and i'll throw chad into that what you want to be when you grow up all right uh I'll throw both chads at you, but what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, Kalen, Tyron, you are back there, whoever you are, young folks, I mean, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I know that's a funny way of putting it. Huh. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, God starts working in your heart a little bit, and you start getting challenged about this thing called surrender. You get start getting challenged about, hey, Give your life to the Lord. Surrender your life to the Lord and let Him use you. And you just say, Lord, here it is. No strings attached. You know, I've given the illustration a hundred times. I mean, put a blank piece of paper right there, sign your name at the bottom, and say, God, you fill in the blanks. Amen. Any of you young people have been challenged like that? Any of us older people ever been challenged like that? But Satan comes along and, uh, come, up, come up here, Connor. Uh, I, I'm going to be Connor's buddy. So here's Connor, man. God's working in his heart, and uh, but then Connor starts thinking, wait a second. If I surrender, I may not be Patrick Mahomes. Point, you know, 2.0 two, two oh or whatever. So, but then the Lord comes. That's right, Connor. Don't you do that, buddy? What, I mean, what if God calls you to go to Africa? I mean, what if God calls you to? What if God calls you to the inner city, or what if God calls you to? Where's somewhere else bad? Huh? Ohio? Carolina. North, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm offended now. Uh, but you can go sit back down. But, you, but see, the, 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 your adversary, you're at Satan. He's your adversary, but he's going to be your buddy. Don't you surrender. Yeah, I mean, kid, seriously, you're already coming to church all the time. You're doing a lot better than some of the other kids are doing. Is that the goal? That's not the goal. See, Satan will come to you and say, man, God's trying to take your future. See, but what Satan's the one trying to rob you. The Bible says he, the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, what? I've come that they might have life. And that more abundantly... See, he, Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. If we're walking in Him, walking in Him means when He gives those subtle leadings to our hearts that we follow. And what He's trying to do... Is he's trying to get your hand, Connor, come on, Connor, you want to hold my hand, buddy? No, I know you don't, but he's just trying to say, come on, man, I want to lead you to the promised land. I got, I'm going to dump a big barrel of blessing on you. Go sit back down. Thank you. Uh, no, come back again. No, uh, listen, uh, but what I'm just trying to say is that's how God works. God is just trying to bless. He's the Lord. He's Christ Jesus, the Lord. He's trying to lead you into victory. He's trying to lead you into life. He's trying to lead you into some of the things I want to want to point out through the rest of these verses if I ever get to it and but see satan your adversary what are you thinking see be careful but you got to watch these thoughts you got to watch these thoughts uh, your money your future plans what else does god want to take from you he wants to take my money <laughs> you know but i mean what what's what's with that stuff i mean listen our giving is an act of worship man And I forget how many times the Bible mentions money. I think it's a couple thousand times or whatever. Uh, But the Bible says where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Some people get upset about that. See, this kind of thinking, though, robs us of our reward. God wants us to think, speak, and act maturely versus immaturely. Remember, that's the point. I'm I'm trying to lead you on. I'm trying to get you to be mature. I'm trying to get you to perfection. From a spiritual standpoint, that maturity. So let's think a little bit about this. The more we mature, the more we recognize the wisdom of God. Now, how many of you, don't raise your hands here, kids, because I don't want to get offended when my kids don't or do raise their hand, okay? But how many of you kids think that your parents are wise? Don't raise your hands, shake your How many of you adults, how many people in here think their parents are wise? Now, we're not going to raise our hands on that, but I bet there would be a pretty interesting demographic that goes on. I bet the older you are, the wiser your parents are. Listen, a toddler pitches a fit. I mean, just freaks out when you don't let them stick a fork into an electrical outlet. That's pretty immature, isn't it? Ah, You know, and they go all crazy. That's what a toddler does. Why? Because they're so immature. So now, some of you probably try to do that kind of idiotic stuff. Some of us try to do that idiotic stuff. Some of us try to put stuff in our mouth that ought not go there. And our parents reached and slapped. Or how many of you actually remember your kids getting it in their mouth? Remember that? You're, you, oh, man, that's so funny. I mean, and you're just in there, man. I mean, I've seen Melanie. She's been elbow deep in the kids, man. Just, I mean, in their mouths, getting, uh, digging that stuff out of there. What's the toddler do? freak out. Their parents don't seem too wise to them. Why? Because they're so immature. Of course they're, they're toddlers. So, I mean, so a toddler will pitch a fit if you don't let them stick a fork in an electrical outlet. They'll pitch a fit if you don't let them touch a hot stove. Might let you try that one so you'll learn. Or they won't let you run into traffic. Toddlers think their parents are terrible, mean, vindictive, awful people when it comes to this stuff all right now but then they grow and all of a sudden whether you ever realized or not you've got to stop and say well mom dad I guess y'all were pretty smart not letting me do that all right now adolescents adolescents get mad when you try to make them get up learn responsibility come home at night whatever the case may be adults get mad when we're told to be responsible with our money quit worrying quit complaining on down the line uh The point that I'm just simply trying to make is this. Our parents get a lot wiser the older we get. The more mature we get in Christ, let me tell you something, man. Oh, man, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that when God was challenging my heart, because one of the big things that was keeping me from surrendering to preach, one of the big things that was was hindering me from uh, surrendering to preach was I kind of had some stipulations, you know? I mean, there was kind of some places I didn't want to go, some places I wouldn't mind going or whatever. Let me tell you something. Do you know that I did not have to surrender? I really didn't. Uh, I mean, God was working on my heart. There was times it felt like I had to surrender. But I didn't have to surrender. I could have chosen not to surrender because my good old buddy Satan was there telling me, no, don't, don't. You don't want to, he's trying to take something from, he's trying to take your future. I hate to even think what my future would have looked like had I not, because here's what I finally had to do. I just finally went and just said, you know what, I don't care. Send me anywhere, call me to do anything but South Dakota. No, uh, listen, uh, I mean, it was, uh, uh, God, uh, I thank God for that. Man, I would have been robbed of such a reward. I would have been robbed of, man, I, I'm talking about an incredible, I mean, I'm, you are looking, if you want to take a picture tonight, you are looking at the most blessed man alive. I mean, I get to pa- pastor the best church ever, I'm married to just, I can't even start on her, I mean, uh, just the blessing, the, the friends that I have in the minute, the life that I've been given, I mean, I'm so blessed, I am so, so blessed, I'd hate to think, see, don't let Satan rob you of re- your reward. Don't let Satan rob you of your blessings, okay? I'm trying to get uh, wrapped up here. Let me see. Um, I wonder how we really view Christ. You know, I was talking about them attacking the deity of Christ, but what does it reveal about what we really believe about the Lord Jesus Christ if we aren't walking in Him? Um, now, he, he tells us here how we can tell. And, and I'm going to have to stop because this heads into a whole nother territory. But I'll, I'll just give you just briefly some evidences because we talk about what it looks like. Are you believing enticing words or not? Again, what are you thinking? Now again, now here's what Satan does. He's a clever devil. He really is. And I don't want to give him any credit. He and his demons, whoever it is. But here's what the devil will do. See, the devil will be the one that gets you in the mess you're in. He's your buddy. He takes you there. It's all right. Feel sorry for yourself. Worry. Go into sin. Hold on to your pride. Hold on to your bitterness. See, he's your buddy that will encourage you in all that. And, of course, you understand I'm saying he's your buddy facetiously. He's not too much of a friend. He's your adversary, but he comes along like your buddy. But then you know what that sucker will do? Here you sit tonight. Now, all of a sudden, you're kind of feeling guilty about giving into those thoughts. So you know what the devil will do? He'll jump on you with all four feet and say you are one sorry person and you call yourself a Christian I mean honestly and then see the devil wants you to leave out of here defeated tonight but if you leave out of here defeated tonight you're missing the message because the message is about walking and winning in Christ Jesus is the answer